turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 15. And I want to go ahead and uh, set a couple of y'all straight this morning before we preach. Don't y'all just love people that state the obvious? I walked in today and about 30 of y'all. Hey, do you know it's hot? No, I'm 5'9", 250. I didn't know it was hot. And for the other smart elegs in here, well, why are you wearing your coat? So you'll stop whining. You'll see me up here sweating to death. He said, well, at least I don't have a coat. That's really what, see, it's, it's, I'm letting you in on the psychological warfare that happens all around you. So, no, really, it's to keep my stomach in. But uh, years ago when they designed this building, there are many wonderful things about this building. Uh, one of the things, it just, it escapes me. Uh, common sense is no longer common. Are you aware of that? We have this several hundred thousand dollar system software where it decides what to cut on. I don't want to buy an appliance that tells me when it's cutting on. I want to be able to say two degrees down and it cut on. Well, so this morning you were blessed to have one unit think it was cool enough outside to turn the heater on. And one unit says, no, it's right at the tipping point. We'll turn the air on. So if you're feeling a wafting of both, <laughs> welcome to technology. Somebody stroked me a check for a couple hundred thousand dollars. We'll replace all of them. So anyway, Luke chapter 15, stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's word. Who's on the wafting? Who's on the cool side? We may move over. Let's just, who? we're not. If I fall out, I don't want any ushers helping me with no resuscitation. I just thought I'd tell y'all. Why would you say that? It's just a thought that came in my mind. I scoped out who we had. I said, no. Okay. Luke 15, 11 through 24. And Jesus said, who said? Okay, so this is not a parable. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. Say, wasted with me. And when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And this son joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he it would, the Bible says in King James, he would have fain filled, which means he desired, he would even eat the husk that the swine left over. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's uh, house has bread enough to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as just one of your hired help, your servants. He was saying, I don't even have to be your boy no more. I don't have to have your name. Just let me back on the property. Verse 20, I'm sorry. So he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him and ran to him, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son began to repent. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, which he was, tr it was accurate. Notice he didn't say, I'm not your son. He said, I'm no longer worthy. Worthiness always comes from God. 
But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on my son. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring forth the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So the party began, one translation says. Now look on the screen to this one verse, Proverbs 14, 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Before you're seated this morning, let me just do a brief introduction. Last week, by God's grace, and last Sunday night, we talked about the subject unencumbered, about laying aside. Let us lay aside the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run our race with patience, considering Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And none of us have strived that much against sin. And we talked about the weights, the things that did not have to be evil, they could be evil or good, but anything that hinders us from obtaining all that God has, anything that slows our walk with the Lord, anything that distracts or pulls away, and the sin which does so easily disqualifies. We talked about severing the weights, No one can do it for you and God will not do it for you. But this morning I want to talk, those were about the externals. I want to finish up the idea and talk about the internals. The heart of a prodigal. The heart of a prodigal is not necessarily right out of the gate, adultery, homosexuality, covetousness. It's a selfish heart. And by selfish, I don't mean one that wouldn't give. It means that one that is self-centered, self-absorbed, thinks of self first. When we see it in our children, we call it spoiled. When we see it in ourselves, we call it being aware. A backslider in his heart is filled with his own ways his own attitudes, his own mindset, his own path, his own rationalizations. He substitutes the will and the way of his father for his own. And there are people in this room by odds, and I have been all of the characters in this story, that are backsliders in heart. There are some that have packed their bags but have not left. There are some that are leaving There are some that on the road, some are making the turn, and some have just got back home. But whatever the case, I believe the Lord wanted me to tell you today that you're still His. You're still His. Father, I just stand before you today and I humble myself and I ask you to allow me to deliver this word, a clarion word, a simple word, a profound word that will pull back the covers Lord, turn the lights on in our heart. Let us see what you see. We do profess and proclaim that if it were not for your mercies, we'd all be consumed. We got that. But we need to know where we are. Just like when you asked Adam, where are you? You knew where he was, but Adam didn't know where he was. Speak to us, where are you? Are you in the house? Are you on the road? Are you leaving? Are you coming? Are you going? Because if we don't know where we are, we don't know how to get back home. Let it happen today. Father, my prayer as your servant this morning is that with integrity, heaven's registry would say before the night closes tonight that everyone that calls Christ Chapel Macon 
is living in the Father's house. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you're taking notes, I'll go ahead and give you the four main points. I've been accused of going too fast. I don't know where that could have came from. But um, number one, there'll be four points this morning. Number one, what happens in the heart. What happens in the heart. Someone asked me, well, they asked me often, why don't you give us your notes before? Because they change all the time. They change while I'm preaching. And then somebody go, wait a minute, what about this one? See, they'd holler at me while I was preaching. Number two, what happened on the road? So what happened in the heart? Or what happens in the heart? What happens on the road? What happens at the gate? And what happens back home? What happens in the heart? What happens on the road? What happens at the gate and what happens back home? Number one, what happens in the heart? Backsliding is a heart issue, not a body issue. The body only expresses the condition of the heart. Our feet cannot go where our eyes are not looking. Our body cannot go where our heart has not already gone before. Letter A, only those that are gods can backslide. A servant man, a servant, uh, a a man had two, a certain man had two sons, sons. Ungodly people cannot backslide, they're lost. To slide back means that you are to begin to experience distance From the person you were, the position you held, and the residence that you lived at. So think of this as backsliding. We think of backsliding in terms of what we've done. Now, what what you do wrong follows backsliding. When When I allow myself to slide backward from who I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to be, and doing what I'm supposed to do, That is backsliding, and only God's children can backslide. Backsliding, this is very important, happens in the Father's house. Still going to church. Still reading my Bible. Still praying. If you don't believe that our heart is desperately wicked above all things, just do nothing and see what happens in your spiritual life. The propensity is backward. We can continue by his Holy Spirit, but we must be diligent. Those who backslide do so inwardly before they ever express it outwardly. They become entitled. This is one of the symptoms, okay? He approached his father and said, Father, give unto me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Give to me. Almost the entire prosperity gospel and new age theology and all that today is all that God has for us. And he does have those things for us. But notice what he said. Give me the portion that falleth to me. That which is mine. That which I am entitled to. How can we see the the sin and the foolishness and the immaturity of entitlement in the community and not see it in the church? 
It's my right as a child of God. No, it's my privilege. I have rights. I don't want rights. I want privileges because I know I will receive more under God's smile on relationship than I ever will on demanding my rights. Give me the po- Give me. Here's a prodigal in heart. They are way more interested in what God can give and do and be for them than they are about what they can give and do and be for God. Now, having said that, all we have comes from God. But a son understands that I'm going to get all of that without even asking. Because if I seek first his kingdom, his household, and his righteousness, everything else is added. I don't have to worry about the externals if the internals are correct. But when you hear all the teaching of how to get what you need from God and how to go to the next level and how to get to the next dimension and how to see in the spirit, you know, all this kind of stuff. So you can get what you want from God. In the life of the Christian, there is much receiving from God, but that is never to be our motive. Much receiving. How many of you can honestly say every good thing in my life that I have is from God? Every, every good thing. But that's not my motive. My motive is to bring him pleasure. My motive is to live in gratitude. My motive is to pour out my life for him as he poured it out for me. And do you know when your children are manipulating you for your stuff? But God's not as smart as you are, right? Think about it. He knows before I get up and approach him why I'm approaching him. I'm, I'm bold to tell you, God. When, when Wade said that about God being rich, I don't know of a man God's been richer to than me. Don't know of one. And I remember pulling in my driveway several months ago and I just stop. I do this sometimes and I just pause and sometimes I cry. Sometimes I just do it intentionally and I stopped my car And I said, God, all these blessings, a godly, beautiful wife that loves you, my babies, Lord, my health, this place, this house, this farm, all these blessings. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord whispering to me, and not one of them deserved. And it wasn't to make me feel bad. It was to make me feel humbled. I gave you that because I love you, and you're my son. Give me the portion that falleth to me. It was kind of funny, him being not the eldest son. None of it fell to him. The eldest son was to get the majority of everything. And if the father so choose, he could give to secondary and third and fourth. And then half brothers, half sisters. Christians that parlay this God owes me and God has to. Watch, just watch. Time and truth go hand in hand. It won't be long before they're separated. Entitlement. They draw lines of separation. It said not many days after the younger son gathered all together. What did he gather together? Come on. What did he gather together? What the father gave him. He gathered all of his blessings, provision, substance. The Bible said he gathered it all together. Why would he gather it in the house? To draw a separation between what was his father's and what was his. A backslider's heart says, 
in essence, you know, well, God can have all of that, but he can't have this. He can have these relationships, but he can't have this one. He can have these goals, but he can't. I decide where we live up in here. I decide where we work. I decide who I marry. I mean, I want him to be part of this process, but there are lines of separation. When he redeemed you, he bought everything. Your past, aren't you grateful that your past is taken care of? The present, we're not so sure about, and the future, we're not crazy about either because we still are struggling with lordship, and there is no struggle. You are not your own. If I were to ask you to write me a check out of your checkbook for $10,000, some of you would have a real problem, and others wouldn't. The ones that wouldn't is because they didn't have it in it. Sure, i write you one, no problem. Just write you one. And I, if I asked Felicia... To write me a check for $10,000 out of Wanda's checkbook, she wouldn't have any problem. Yes, sir. Give it him, Wanda. And just, And that's why we have a struggle helping people. That's why we have a struggle fixing people's cars or, or helping people get reestablished and giving because we think it's ours. And if it's the Lord's, now we have our responsibilities to our wife and babies. But he said, Lord, would you have me do this with your resources? That's when it's different. It's his. We are stewards of it, but it is his. Is there any separation in your life between stuff, relationships, goals, plans? Well, this is God's and this is mine. Freedom comes. And to be backsliding foolproof where either can't happen is there no lines of separation you said everything I have is God's everything I am is God's how can I slide backward when I don't have anything you see all my fountains are in you we sang that this morning and finally they depart it said he gathered all together and took his journey all together and took his journey When you separate your life substance from God, when your life becomes everything you can get from God and nothing about what he can get from you, the pressure of owning your life pushes you out of the Father's house. Brother, if you turn me down just one, there's like a little rumble here. I don't know if I've got it in a monitor or not. Backsliders, write this down, always depart. Always. It's like a, even if they're not conscious of why, why stay in a house when I'm no longer fulfilling the role? How many of you moved out before 21? All right. 19. 18. Mm hmm. Brothers, sisters. 17. Christian, was this a part of it? Samantha, was this part of it? If I move out, the eyes of the authority aren't on me. Okay. Why, why would someone that has it all move out of the father's house? Because I know the father sees everything. Prodigals and backsliders depart. You don't backslide to a certain point and go, that's where I'm going to stop. You're either all his or you're not. And the pressure builds up. Listen, 
Pressure builds up in a divided heart and it pushes the person, male or female, rich or poor, out of the father's house. A divided heart. The pressure of that pushes you outward. Number two, what happens on the road? We'll do this very quickly. Once he took all of his stuff and left, it said that he departed and he went into a far country. Distance always follows departure. Always. Well, I'm just going to slide a little bit away from it. Once you leave the father's house, it is a down, it's all downhill. And just like Jonah, when you walk away from God, you'll always find a ship waiting on you at port to take you further away from God. He went into a far country. Listen, an unrecognizable country. An unfamiliar country. A fascinating country. A pleasurable uh, country that looked nothing like his father's house. Letter B, what happens on the road? They waste themselves. They waste their youth. They waste their abilities. They waste their gifts. They waste their opportunities. They waste those early years. One of the most common things now that I've lived long enough to see it go full circle, and you've heard me allude to it many times before, with people with a background like me, you know, your fake ID in and you're getting in the club, whatever your type of club was, whether it was the crystal pistol or the funky monkey, you know, you'd still get in. And there was always that guy, you're 19, 18, you know, fake ID or back when I was coming up, 18 was how old you had to be. But you're in the club and there's somebody in their late 30s and he is drunk. I mean, he's three sheets in the wind and two of them striped, you know, he's gone, he's, and he's dancing in front of two 18-year-olds. And he's so drunk, he thinks they're into him. All these self-righteous people staring at me. Well, I never, you know, I'm just telling you how it goes. Can somebody help me here? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. And so he's just like, hey, and they're dancing with him. And he's thinking, they just dig me. And what happens is they're laughing at him. But he's so altered that he doesn't know reality. And the joke on the backslider, the world's greatest joke, whether it happens in a club or in a house or in an office, is you become the 40-year-old. And you blinked and 20 years is gone. You blink and your youth is gone. And that 30-year-old girl looks 50 and she's weathered and she's, she's wasted, wasted. The gifts and calls that was within her and within him. The years where they could have been maturing. They could have been in the father's house preparing. Some of us have got kids we sent to school and they wasted hope scholarship. I told Jimmy, I said, look at me. If there ain't no hope, there ain't no hope. With hope, Rob, it was a thousand a month. I said, ain't no hope, ain't no hope, buddy. And when you waste opportunity, you, you can get it back, but not all of it. Distance, listen, departure always leads to distance and distance always leads to waste. You will look back on your life and say, all the days I spent out of the Father's house, I'm talking to believers, 
was a waste. They emptied themselves. It said when he had spent all, all of his money, all of his energy, all of your hope, all of your plans. We just keep spending and spending. See, when you first leave, the excitement of fulfilling the lust of the flesh gives way to the need of feeling something just to feel alive. And you'll spend more. You'll spend more often until you don't have the feeling or the money to produce it. And then you're bankrupt. Next time you go by someone, before you sit self-righteously and judge a homeless person or someone, you know, uh, sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not. But they they didn't leave the father's house and said, I'm just going to lose everything. They were tricked. They were deceived. They thought their youth would never run out. Their money would never run out. Their substance would never run out. And he spent all. Then you experience scarcity. It said mighty famine arose in the land and he began to be in want. Distance always produces famine. A famine is where you can't find it. You can't find peace. See, in a famine, you can't find food. So in the story, he couldn't find food. He didn't have money for food. And we can't find peace or a sense of stability or wholeness or soundness or joy. All those things that he had, whatever you had in the father's house, picture this, was gone. Not just bread, but gone. There was a famine of all of those things. He experienced great hunger. It said he desired to eat what the pigs did not eat. The husk after they chewed on him. It said he would have ate that. He would have ate that. And I don't know who I was supposed to. I told Kelly this morning. I was preparing something else this week. And I said, I felt like the Lord just wants me to talk about this subject. I don't know who will be there. But you're desiring things today that you never desired in the Father's house. You're hungry today for things you never hungered for in the Father's house. And you're eating things today that you would have never ate in the Father's house. One way you identify a prodigal on the road is they are doing things they would have never done. For a Jew, the worst place they could have been in was knee deep in a hog pen eating food that the hogs left over. I was a prodigal, raised in a Christian home. I knew the way. I was showed the way. I was taught the way. At nine years old, I remember leading a little boy to Jesus Christ. Romans 3.10, 3.23, 5.8, 6.23, and 10.9. I could lead you to Jesus. I knew the way. And I remember in my journey, much of it was pleasurable till famine hits. And I remember saying to myself in so many words, I never dreamed I would be here. I think I've shared this with you once before in 25 years. It's very embarrassing to me. Uh, But I feel prompted to. And you matter more to me than my pride or what someone would think of me. So I want to share it. There was a girl, I'll just use a letter, J, in college that told me she was pregnant. And she said it was my baby. Now, back then, I did not know I was sterile. And I said, well, uh, well, 
what do you want to do? We just, you know, do you, do you want to get married or do you want us? She goes, what? I said, what do you want to do? She goes, I just need money to take care of this. And so now don't get me wrong. Ain't no moral thing about me. I was as carnal and uh, bound in horrible, illicit, perverted sin. But that just wasn't an option for me. That doesn't make me good. You follow me? I just, I, I went and talked to my mom. I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, we'll all raise it. We'll just raise the child. And I approached her. I said, let's, let's just have the baby. You know, let's just have the baby. And I, I'll take it. I'll, you can sign off the right. I'll, I'll raise the child. And she said, I remember it like yesterday. It was 38 years ago, 37 years ago. She said, Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever the day was. I don't remember that. She said, I'm going to be in that chair in that doctor's office. Strapped to that chair with my legs spread apart. Thinking about how much I hate you. I want you to be thinking about that. I remember those days after that thinking. How in the world did I get here? How did I get to drunk five or six nights a week? How did I get to a place where I'm participating unwillingly in the abortion of a child? Later to find out, of course, it wasn't mine because I was sterile. But she wouldn't take a test or she wouldn't, you know, be willing to, to do the other. And maybe there's someone here that if people knew your whole story, they would say, how did you go from way over there in God's house to way over here? And the answer is a backslid. And most of us in the room have multiple times. The key is, is when you see it, you repent and turn back. These people on the road hit rock bottom. He said, here I am, I'm perishing with hunger. See, we read over that, I'm perishing with hunger. This isn't like your kid coming in. Does any of y'all's kids do this? Where did they learn this from? There's no books about this. They come in at 4.30. I'm dying. I'm so hungry, I'm dying. <laughs> ain't dying. You ate at 12, but dying. See, so we hear, I'm dying, I'm dying, and it means nothing. He said... I am dying. So what does that mean? He's in some barracks somewhere looking at a broke piece of glass as a mirror. And he's looking at himself and he said, I'm, I don't have long to live. He was so depleted that he assessed he didn't have much time left. That was my greatest fear. That I would die on the road. I remember praying drunk many nights. God, don't let me die. God got my attention one night. I was in the house with Jabbo. We were watching TV. And Jabbo was the greatest dog ever lived. And uh, I took him outside to use the restroom. And I brought him back in. And there were three men in my house that fast. One of them had the stereo. One had the TV. And the other one had something. And he just dropped it and pulled a gun over. Boom! And blew out the wall behind me. And then all you saw was the drape go. Gone. You know, guys, 
can I, the girls can just check out here. You know how we think, man, if anybody ever pulled a gun on me, what I'm going to do, you're going to chuck Norris on them and pull the gun and elbow. And now they got girls in the movies beating up guys. Everybody can beat up the guy with the gun. And no, <laughs> no. I remember when the police came, somebody heard the shots and they called the police and they interviewed. I ran out of the house and went and hid behind a dumpster at Bear Arms uh, Apartments. And the police said, oh, Mr. Wood, you know, how many shots did he get off? I said, one. What do you mean? How many shots did he get off? One. He said, what do you mean? I said, I took off running and I ran over him by the dumpster. And he goes, well, where did he go? I said, he didn't follow me. Because <laughs> if he had, he'd have died of smoke inhalation off my shoes. He didn't follow and he said, well, how far was he from you? I said, I could have took one step, two steps, and touched him on the head. He said, and he was just doing his job. He said, impossible. You would have had powder burns all over you. And all I can tell you is when the cops left and everybody else left, I knew the Lord had spared my life so that I did not die on the road. So that I did not die on the road. And my heart would be tender for a while. And then, you know, when you're on the road, you just always have a reason why you can't go back home, you know. And then one morning, I woke up outside. They called it the new women's dorm. I don't know what it is now. Well, now it's old women's dorm or old something. (laughs) I know that much. I know they put a prefix in front of it. I remember waking up beside my motorcycle. And it was 10, 10, 15 a.m. And I just laid like you would curl up and take a nap. Dew was on me. And you know people are going to class. Got 8 o'clock class, 9 o'clock class. And you know they're walking through the parking lot like, what in the world? That's junk, you know, walking by. When I woke up, I realized that I had drove my motorcycle to my girlfriend's apartment, but I never made it in. I don't remember driving it. I remember the Lord bringing that to my memory after I was saved several years. He said, you remember that day, that night? I said, I remember waking up. My angels took care of you. And laid you down so you wouldn't, and brought you in. See, everybody's got a garden angels. Mine smoke cigarettes. My, my angels were like, Lord, we got to take care of this rascal. You know, we need help. Back up. And I got there and, you know, I didn't want you to die away from my house. And I don't know who those stories were for, but don't let the guilt of leaving sign your death certificate. Tell you what else happens on the road very quickly. The people that backslide remember. It said he came to himself. And said, he came to himself and said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And here I am dying with hunger. I will arise and go back home and say to my father, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me as one of your hired help. When you're on the road, you re- I remember waking up and going to church with the joy of the Lord. I remember singing the songs of Zion with hot tears running down my face. I remember volunteering, not because the need was there, but because the want was there. I remember 
loving the Lord with my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I remember giving up things for God, not for man. I remember uh, the joy unspeakable and full of glory. I remember what it was to lay my head down at night guilt-free and wake up just as innocent. I remember one of the greatest things God can do for you, whether it's a sermon on a Sunday morning, a song on the radio, or a dream at night is causing you to remember what you once had, who you once were. What happens on the road? They turn back. Many prodigals turn back. Many die on the road. And you can work that out with your once saved, always saved, how, how you want to. I'm not making light of that. I'm just telling you, Paul spoke of shipwrecked faith. And how can you come across a scripture that says, it had been better had they never known the way of the truth. They had partaken of the heavenly gift and of the age to come. And if they should turn away, it's impossible to renew them again under repentance. But the Bible said of this man that he arose and went to his father. And then what happened at the gate? This is beautiful. And he arose and he came to his father. That's a long trip. Where did he travel to? Far country. How long was the trip back? Okay. Picture this. We can make the turn immediately. But we can get overwhelmed and feel like I've got so far to go. I got to walk past everybody I did those things with, everyone I was intimate with, everyone I did drugs with, everyone that I denied Jesus to. I got to walk. It's a far walk. It's a far walk. It's a far walk. But you were man and woman enough to walk away. Be man and woman enough to walk back home. If you had the energy to walk this way, all right, I'm going to tell you a fat person's secret. Me, 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 when you exercise. I don't carry something to tell me my steps because that discourages you to no end. I just walk until I'm about to pass out and turn around. Would anybody like to tell me why do we do that? Because you got to get back. The further you walk one direction, you know you're home. And I don't carry a cell phone. So I can go, hey, Kelly, can you go to Eisenhower Park where you get me? I just can't make it back. I know, I have no phones. If you had the energy to go, you have the energy to get back. Don't let the devil trick you. But what happened at the gate was beautiful. And while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Brooke, if you'd come please this morning. What happened at the gate? The prodigal was surprised at the father's anticipation of him. Stay with me. It said that while he was a great way off, his father saw him. How could the father see him a great way off? He was waiting on him. This story meant that the father wasn't enjoying the luxury of the home he was living outside in the elements at the gate. Now this is hard to preach because God don't know us nothing. 
He pursues the lamb that's lost, but he waits on the prodigal. The prodigal was relieved by his father's reaction. It said that he had compassion. But he was shocked at the father's approach. The prodigal walked. The father ran. Don't tell me your restoration story and tell me how glorious your repentance is. Ours is feeble. His is fantastic. Ours is slow. His is fast. Ours is double-minded. His is single-hearted. He ran to him and fell on his neck. Overcome with emotion. All the drawings I see in the Christian bookstore, they're pretty, but I never bought one of them. Because, I mean, young in my faith. you You see the one where the prodigal comes home and he falls on the father? I said, that ain't right. The father wasn't holding the prodigal up. The prodigal was holding the father up. He was so moved by his boy coming home that he was trying, God is expressing us. How does God speak God to people? He lets, he speaks to them in a way they can get it. He said, you know, when you're so overcome that a man can't stand, um, he, he can't hold himself up. That's how I felt when you came home. And he fell on his neck. And the son began to repent. Listen, there must be repentance. There can't be forgiveness without repentance. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me as hired help. But once the repentance happens, it is critical, but it's not the primary thing. It is critical... But it's not the primary thing. The primary thing is it's not on you. It's on the Father. The Father's plan. The Father's pleasure. The Father's desire. Once his son was home, he knew there was repentance. Repentant people, unrepentant people don't come home. And the Father said, bring forth the fatted calf and put the robe on him. Or kill the fatted calf and put the robe on him. But it also says before this, I skipped this part. It said, and it kissed him. So, and, and if you look in the original Greek language, kissed him doesn't mean, it means he kissed him all over. So the son's trying to repent. Father, I've sinned again. Father, I'm trying to tell you that I've not been worthy. Preached a message many, many years ago. His kiss changed my life. It wasn't how I repented, but it was how he kissed me that brought me back to life again. And the father said, bring forth a robe. He's running into the house. So the son, what is his physical condition? Just bear with me a minute longer. What's he look like? Filthy. He smells like the excrement of a hog pen. He's emaciated. His father done, oh, look at you. He said, give him a robe. Oh, daddy, don't put that robe on me. I'm filthy. This will cover it all. So the righteous, see the, see the story? He gives us righteousness for our unrighteousness. He clothes our nakedness. He says, put a ring on his finger. That was the identifier. This is my signet ring. Put it on him. And put shoes on his feet. Slaves didn't have shoes because a slave... If they had shoes, they could leave. But without shoes, 
running across the rocky terrain. It would slice their feet. It would become infected. They'd get gangrene and lose their feet. He said, put shoes on my boy's feet. He's not staying because he has to. He's staying because he wants to. And the Bible said, and the party began. What happened at the house? The father. This isn't a story. I've told you this whole story about the prodigal. It ain't about the prodigal. It ain't about the backslider. The story reveals the father. And the band struck up and the father is dancing all over the house. And he said, for this, my son was lost and is now found. My son was dead and is now alive. It was those words that started restoration. My son. I asked Brooke if she would play a specific song for us here. And this appeal is to sons and daughters who are backslid in their heart, whether they're at the house, on the road, whatever. And your invitation to come home. And as she sings this, feel free to come and kneel or stand at this altar and then we're going to pray together. every eye open while these are praying. I'm not going to try to manipulate you. Come home. In the name of Jesus, come home. Whoever I'm speaking to, assault your pride, get up and come home. Today is the day of clarity. Today is the day of coming to yourself. Today is the day of repentance and today is the day of restoration. Come home. Would you come? God bless you. God bless you. Come home. Brooke, just once more, if you will. Oh, to Jesus I surrender humbly at His feet I bow worldly pleasures all forsaken
church family, while they're praying, I want to ask you to do something. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. We'll be going in just a moment. Do you believe that God is everywhere at all times? The eyes of the Lord are upholding the righteous. He's watching. He's looking. And we're not ever to mislead or con him. You remember Ananias and Sapphira who said, this is how my life is. And it was. If it is your desire and your intention and your purpose to live in the Father's house with him, by him. I just want you to stand and say, I'm on record today, oh Lord. I just want to live with you. I just want to live with you, Lord. I just want to live with you, Lord. I just want to live with you, Lord, and for you. Those standing, Jesus is serious about this living arrangement thing. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, because where I live, I want you to live also. Where I am, I want you to be also. Those in the altar, I want you to look here just a moment, and we're going to pray if you can. It's kind of embarrassing coming back home for a day or two. That's it. Because we got to go shower. We got to go get over seeing the people for the first time that knew you left. Hey, when'd you get back, Sunday? You know, you got to go through all that and stuff. But there's something about wearing your father's ring and robe when you're clean. They may remember yesterday, but you're living in the today. And the party is on every Monday. What was all that racket the other night? Papa was happy. It was like the party to end all parties. And what was it for? Well, Susan came home. In the natural mind, you go, was all that necessary? And the father said, Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't it good to be his? Isn't it good to be all his? Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May all that is his be yours. May your affections be set upon him and things above. May your heart be altogether His. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And be thankful unto Him. And bless His name because God has been good to you. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.